Welcome to Passion Life Church. Good to be in the house of the Lord today. God is a good God and he loves you. My, my friend Rex Crane will be here next week. I'm, I'm excited about that. How many of you have been in Rex Crane's services, meetings with Rex? That's how I, that's how I got connected with Pastor Phil, is Rex said, you got to meet my friend. And I said, okay. And then, you know, from that moment, Pastor Phil became my friend. And I said, you got to meet my friend to him, to uh, Rex. Now we switched. I'm glad to be here. I'm in, I'm in Seattle, Washington area. Um, our location, is, it was mentioned to you already. And God is doing a work in the world. But every city is having their challenges. How many of you know that? Seattle has a very interesting uh, season right now. We're in an interesting culture. And I think that the, the church needs to take its position and its place in the body of Christ in the world so that we can see uh, change in all of our cities. I'm not sure if you're experiencing challenges in Marietta. Are you experiencing challenges in Marietta? Or does it feel like just a nice Pleasantville? You guys live in Pleasantville? Uh, no? Okay. Now, how many of you know it's going to take the church to stand up and do something about it? And I believe that God has a calling for you. He has a purpose on your life. And we can get caught up in our everyday life, going to work, going to school, come home from work, come home from school, eat our dinner together, watch a little TV, talk about the day, and then do it all over again. And miss the fact that God has put you on the earth for something that's very powerful, very specific. And today I hope to activate a call in you. I hope to activate the purpose of God in you in a way that you, you change everything. I live in a life, I live a life where I feel like I have to live on the edge of what God wants because one day I'm going to stand before him. How many of you know one day you're going to stand before the Lord? Now, is that terrifying or exciting for you? I don't, I don't know. Is it exciting? I think some of us should be terrified. I'm not going to say which ones, but because the fact is, is you know the scripture says he's going to, he's going to talk to you about what you've done. He's not going to just say, hey, come on in, it's great, but he's going to talk to you about what you've done. And then there's a point where he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Or he says, you wicked and lazy. Isn't it interesting that he, the wicked servant is the lazy one? All right, you guys aren't ready for me yet. It's okay, it's okay. It, we're gonna get, it's going to be fun later. But we just have to kind of like diagnose you, right? That's, you go to a doctor, you get diagnosed, and then he says, oh, by the way, I have a cure for it. So I need to diagnose you for a second, and then I'm going to give you a cure. Is that all right? Today I want to talk to you about equity. Someone say equity. Equity is that part, of you, that part that you own, the part that is your responsibility, the part that you have to actually bring something to the table. So we're looking at a, we're looking at a new house, and we don't know if we're going to buy it because, you know, we, when it comes down to it, it's not just how much we can afford. It's, it's whether or not we like it. <laughs> can we live in this house? Is this the house we were looking for? Is this the house we've been dreaming of? So we're looking at this house, and part of it is you, when, you, when you give a down payment, a, a, a bank will want you to give a down payment because there is, they want you to have some equity in the house, a part that you own. It's your place. It's your space. The word of God has this word equity in it. It has a word equity in it a lot, and I'm going to show you it in a moment, but it's hidden. 
it's hidden. If you don't know what, it, what the word equity actually is in the scriptures, you'll miss it. And you'll miss the fact that you're supposed to own an aspect of it. You're supposed to own something. So Luke chapter 15, will you look there with me? Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to start praying and we'll, we'll read from, from verse 11. Father, we thank you for the grace of God that's on your people. We thank you for the goodness of the Lord and the miracle working power that you're going to release to them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, Luke 15, verse 11, it says, And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. Now, did you recognize that he was asking for his equity, the part that he owns? Give me the share of the property that has come to me, and he divided his property between them. Now, he, the father didn't just, like, he didn't say no. He goes, no, this is yours. This is your equity. I want you to, uh, you can have it. And the difference is that the father gave the son the equity, what he had, and he gave it to him and said, you can do what you want with it. Of course, that was the purpose of asking. In verse 13, he says, and not many days later, the young son gathered all he had and took a, took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. So the son was in a position where he, he had equity, but he didn't know how to keep making equity. Having equity, having a place where you, are, you, have, you have income or have something that's there, the son didn't know how to reproduce it, didn't know how to keep it going. It's amazing. You can work with someone who is really successful, but not know how they got there. And you can work with God who is really good at what he does, but if you don't pay attention to why he does it, then you won't understand why he does, then you won't understand how he does. Just knowing that someone does something, and many, of, many people I work with in, in the world, they, they, they work in this situation where they're like, I know exactly what to do, but I'm like, why aren't you doing it? Because knowing what to do doesn't tell you how to do it. Knowing what to do tells you what you should be doing, and you need to bring into your place, into your space of your heart and your mind, the actions and the activity that is associated to why we're doing it. Knowing how to do something is one thing, but knowing why you're doing it is, is even better. When you know why you're doing it, then you can work through all the challenges that it takes to work through in order to do it. When you know what to do or how to do it, you may not work through the challenges, and so you'll stop when you realize this is not easy. It's going to take some, some effort, and not painless effort. It's going to take some effort to get involved and to actually make this turn around. And when I put my effort into it, it needs, I need to have a big why. So I'm going to say big why. Now, this young man's why was he wanted to be independent. Now, none of you wanted to be independent. You were always nice and submitted. And, okay, we're not going to go there. I'm going to. But he wanted to be independent. And I think one of the things that's very important that we recognize that what's going on in the earth is that there's a sense of independence. When we should have a sense of interdependence, a relationship that is independent, I'm independent enough and strong enough to be on my own and not need you, but because I want to do more than what I can do on my own, then I want to incorporate that with you, and we're going to become interdependent relationship. It's like two pillars. You, have, you know, two pillars. You're building a house. You're putting, you're putting you know, these, these, these pillars in place so that the roof can stand. You can put one pillar up, but the roof is not going to be able to, that pillar is not going to be able to hold it. But if you put two, you can multiply the weight that you can put on it. And so the power of interdependence, why did God call us to have marriage? 
for dominion. Oh, because he's so cute. No, no, no. No, no, no. It's for dominion. It's for the weight that he can put on you. He can put more weight on you, more responsibility, more. That, that's a dirty word, isn't it? Responsibility. That's a dirty word. I'm sorry, I cussed in front of you. You got to know that God wants to be able to put more weight on his people and on his children. And because the world doesn't want covenant relationships, the church should be the best place for greater weight to be put on. You understand? So you should be prepared to do bigger things than you've ever imagined because you are covenant people. And in covenant people, you are people that say, God, look at us. We know how to work well together and we're not independent, but we're interdependent. And you can put more weight on us that will allow us to do more in the earth and accomplish more. God wants that to happen. Now, this young man never, obviously never allowed any weight to be put on him as he was working in his father's business. Because if he had weight on him when he was working in his father's business, when he left the business with his own income, he would have been able to take that income instead of squandering it, instead of being reckless with it, he would have been able to multiply it. Someone say multiplication. I mean, this is going to be a fun day for me. You can choose how you want to do it. But this is going to be fun. Now, God wants to break off of us squandering our property and reckless living. And in that, he wants us to understand how to multiply and how to stand into a place, uh, how to move into a place of multiplication. And we look here in verse 14, it says, and when he, when he had spent everything on a severe famine in, the, in that country, he began to be in need. He began to be in need. And so he went and hired, hired himself he really basically got a job, hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. In verse 16, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. Now, how many of you have ever been around a pig farm? There's a couple of you. You guys are in Marietta. You've never been around a pig farm. I understand. Pig farms are not wonderful places. I mean, if you like pork, that's probably good for you. But pig farms stink. The slop. How many of you have ever seen pig slop? How many of you ever said, ooh, I can't wait to just... That's some pig slop gumbo. I want some of that right there. Any of you, you just wanted to jump right in on there in that gumbo and just get on there, boy, this is some damn boy occasion. No, it's not the same. The pig slop... And so what kind of level of need do you need to be in to drop your standards so low that you're willing to eat from the pigs? I want you to know in this season, God doesn't want you to drop your standards no matter how in need you may be. Don't drop your, your standards. This young man didn't grow up in a, in a Gentile house. He grew up in a house that there, there was standards. There was a standard of living. And in that standard of living, pigs were, let alone hanging out with pigs, you couldn't even get close to pigs. I have a friend, his Rabbi Lappin, Daniel Lappin, and I, I invited him to our, our church, and we hang out quite a bit. And when, when he comes, I have to make sure that everything, he's a full-on rabbi. He's not one of those messianic, you know, I believe in Jesus. He's one of those seriously, you know, I never read the New Testament so we, we're, help, we're working on We're working with him. And 
he comes and he, he tells us, he's so, my wife and I, we go the extra mile when we host people. So we went and got complete kosher food, complete like kosher, everything has to be kosher. You have to, you know, the, we want him to eat. We don't want him to starve, we want him to eat. And he was telling us how he went to one church and this church brought out um, lobster and crab and brought all this stuff and this bottom feeding eaters. And he says, I've never been so close to so many monsters in my life. Because they're not only, not only allowed to touch them, not only allowed to, to eat them, but there's a distance that they should have with them. This young man had left, he left every standard that he knew, every standard that he grew up with, he left every standard and literally went into a place where he was, he was not only working for someone that was of a different citizenship, but he was also like in a position where he was willing to eat even from the pigs. I, I want you to really have in your spirit, in your heart, a desire to have higher standards in this season. We're going to see over the next 24 months a greater need hit the earth. And there's a lot of people that are going to compromise their standards because of the needs that they see around them. But if I can just encourage you before I even get into the rest of this message, hold your standards. Say it to the person next to you. Hold your standards. Because as you hold your standards, you're going to be in a position where you're able to uh, resist resist things that are beneath you and stay high where God wants you to be. And I think what most people do is they release their standards. They release their standards and they're willing to eat anything. And what I, what I thought was interesting about this is that this young man was in a position where he was, he was the one feeding the pigs and there was nobody else there, but he was saying no one would give them to me. He's in charge of feeding. I like that he, even though he didn't have his standards anymore, he didn't lose his integrity. How many know he could have just been in the back just kind of just shoving some pods in his face? Can I give you a couple of practical things? Keep your standards, keep your integrity. Live with integrity in mind. How many of you know what integrity means? You guys are looking at me. Live with integrity in mind. When you live with integrity in mind, you will have the essence of God behind you and God will come and make sure that he gets your attention to bring you back into the right position. And when you see in verse 17, he says, and he came to himself. I think the reason he came to himself is he realized I, there's some places I just will not go down to, which was I would eat that, but I wouldn't steal it. Now, that's an aha moment. You should always have a place in you that you go, this is as far as I will go. I will never go this far. I will never, there's, how many of you know there's gotta be some things you say, I will never, I will never do. When you hit that place that this is, this is how low I've come, this is how low I've gone, I will never do this. When you hit that place, then you're gonna bounce back up and God will bring you to your right mind. Some of you need to get to your right mind. I just, God will bring you to your right mind. This is what happens. Some of you are believing for young people in your families to come right back to their right mind. You need to know what you trained in them, what you said in them, what you standards you put in them, that they're gonna hit that place where they go, I have done this, I've done this, but I will not do that. And when they get to that place, God will bring them back to their right mind. And he says in verse, verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. He goes back to the goodness of the father. And 
you, you've heard this story so many times, and I know some of you are just, this thing you put in your mind, this story is about the prodigal son, but this story is not about the prodigal son. This story is about a good father. And I want to talk to you today about a good father that has set you up. And don't think about yourself as being the prodigal, but think about yourself as being someone who has a good father has a father that loves you and father that cares because no matter how far he's gone, no, no, no matter how far this, this young man had went away, the father was always steady. I know some people in this room, you deal with condemnation, you deal with shame, you deal with guilt, you deal with, with fear, you deal with anxiety. Those things are a byproduct of not knowing that you're loved. And when you know that you're loved, then you can overcome all of those things. If I can just have an amen once in a while here, this would just be great. Just every so often. It feels awkward to me. Can I just tell you, it feels like I'm very uncomfortable to not have an amen periodically. Amen. You need to know that God wants you to be in a position that you can trust his steadiness. Trust that he's a steady God. That, well, what about me? What? No, God knew that you were a knucklehead. That's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross. He knew you were messed up. He knew you were jacked up. He knew you were not the, the best. But the fact is, is he knew he was good, and he knew that he was faithful, and his faithfulness was going to supersede everything else. And if you can trust that God will be good, then you don't have to trust in your own self to be good. Not that you have permission to go out and be bad, because we're talking about standards. But my standards are set by my father. And if I really want to be my father's son, then I need to actually move towards my father instead of moving away from my father. And he says here, he says, how many of my, the, the, my father's hired servants? Remember, I want you to think this story is about the father. I know for years we've heard it about the prodigal son, but this is not about the prodigal son. It's about the father. The father has positioned himself to be good. And if we can get in this season, in this time right now, how good God is in this world, in Marietta, here in, in Cal Southern California, in Seattle, Washington, if we can get into the hearts of the people that we have a God that's actually good, then it would change people's minds because they're expecting God to be bad. They're expecting God to be a tough God, but I'm telling you, God is a good God. He's a God of standards because there's a point where you live a certain way, you can't drop your standards. How many of you live a certain way that you could never go back to where you used to be? Maybe you live in a certain neighborhood and you go, man, I couldn't, you drove past your, your neighborhood when you grew up and you go, man, that house is so much smaller. Anyone? No, maybe you still live in the same house, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be offensive. You should have a place where you go back and you go, man, this is, when I was growing up, this was so big and this now feels so small. When I was growing up, this was so hard, but now it's just so easy. You should have a place where you've progressed and going back to that, regressing back to that, it would not, it would just be impossible. How in the world could I go back to that? God wants you to be a person that sets in your standards because the father has a standard that he will never go back to what he was before. He is ever, ever, he's never changing, but he's ever better. How many of you know that? That God is always better. The greater the revelation I get of him, he's, he's amazing. I mean, I'm like, I thought you were good yesterday, but man. 
Man, you're so good. And when you realize that God wants to be good to you and that he's not mad at you, then you'll, you'll realize that, God, I want to rise to your standards because if you're good and always good, then they're, they're, the why behind it, the why behind your standards, I want to know. Not just that you want to, you, you're telling me what to do. Do you know the Ten Commandments was telling me what to do, how to live a certain way? The Ten Commandments said, if you live this way, you will fulfill God's heart. You'll fulfill his profile. Then the 613 laws, if you live this way, you'll fulfill God's profile. And then the realization is Jesus came and said, look, look at me, this is why. This is how, but let me show you the why. Jesus came as the manifestation of the complete why. Isn't that wonderful? So when you understand that God wants you to, he says, this, this young man comes to this realization. He holds his standard. He hits the bottom level of the standard that he's willing to go. He's not going to, he's not going to lose his integrity. I may, have, I may have dropped to where I'm willing to eat some, some of this, you know, this slop, but I'm not going to lose my character. That character place, the place of character, is always going to keep you close to God. I'm so glad. I'm so, I'm so glad we had one that's right. Because the character is something that Christians are actually giving excuses to get rid of. The grace of God allows me to sin. I'm so glad you said amen. I'm waiting for another amen. The grace of God does not allow you to sin. The grace of God empowers you so you don't have to. There's no condemnation if, you, if you're breaking through something. I'm not even going to say use the word if you're struggling. Because I think Christians love to use, I'm just struggling through this. I'm just, just working it through. God doesn't, God doesn't actually empower you to struggle. He empowers you to have victory. He empowers you to overcome. And when you accept in your heart that God is going to make you an overcomer, the Bible says he makes you an overcomer more than a conqueror. And in that, he's going to give you the power that's necessary to break through whatever has to be broken through to get there. So no longer are you a struggling Christian. You're a Christian that's breaking through. You're a child of God that's overcoming. You're a child of God that's more than a conqueror. Oh, but you don't know what I've been through. I don't need to know. I'm not the one that died on the cross. He died on the cross. He knew what you were going through so that you can get free from that. He didn't die on the cross so you can stay in struggle. He says, how many of my, my father's servants, hired servants, have more than enough, more than enough bread? Do you know that this, this is just the servant? This is, not the, this is not the heir. This is the servant that has more than enough bread. If you're in a season of lack, can I tell you, step into the sonship of God. Step into the fact that you are the daughter of God. Do you know your life will change if you just rise up every day and go, I'm a child of God? Every day, don't, don't question whether or not you're a child of God because of what you've done. Question your child of God, establish your child of God because of the position you've been given. And when, you've, when you accept, accept the position, the question in your mind of whether or not you're a child of God and what you do will absolutely change. The church needs to get free of, of this idea of condemnation because of your actions. If we, get re if we get free of condemnation, our actions will change. You know the people that backslide are the people who feel like they can never, ever be accepted? If we help people understand Jesus accepted you when you were a sinner, he died on the cross for your sins. 
It's you the one that has to accept him. Isn't that wild? We don't come to the altar on the day of salvation and go, will you accept me, Jesus? Am I acceptable? <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. How many of you, that's the way you prayed your prayer? If you have me, I'll come into your kingdom. That's not the way it happens. We, have, we come to the altar of salvation with a complete assumption that he's going to accept you. Then what happens after we get saved? Now we're saved and we come every day to prayer, God. Are, are you mad at me? This is ridiculous. It's demonic. It's the devil. It is not God and it's not the kingdom. You guys are getting quiet. All right. He says, he, here I am perishing from hunger. Verse 18. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. He puts his priorities straight. He didn't say, father, I've sinned against you and then heaven. He says, I've sinned against heaven and you. If you set heaven as first, if you set God first before people, every other relationship will be in place. The relationships we have challenge with are relationships that we put that relationship over God. I love my wife, but I will never put her above God. And vice versa, she would never, she would never put me before God. We love each other. But the realization is God comes first. And that's what makes the relationship work. If you have a relationship where one loves God and the other one loves them, that relationship is broken. They both have to love God to make the relationship work. And if a wife sees a husband love God, I'm telling you, can I tell you, men, listen, you want to make sure that you, do we have kids? Okay. You want a woman to fall in love with you? Wake up and pray every morning and get in your word. Oh, shucka. And then if you really want to take it to another level, that's like putting on cologne, lay hands on her. Pray, not like, not, you know, pray. <laughs> so pray first, pray first. Then you lay that hand. Pray first. Man, that woman will feel so ministered to, so loved, so encouraged. You think like you're in honeymoon seasons. If men would just get the idea and understand that women want a leader who don't just, I, I make the money, girl. No. I bring home the bacon. Well, But if you, if you actually had the connection with the Father and shown that you have a relationship with God, that is so attractive. All right, the ladies are saying amen. I was hoping that's the best amen I got the whole day. And I try to help men. I try to say, listen, get, get your house in order. Well, I'm working, I'm getting paid my bills and we got no debt and I'm buying a house of car. And that's not, that, no, that's the secondary order. Get your house in order. You take your place as the man in the house of God by being in your house, by being a leader in prayer, being a leader in the word, being a leader, pray first. I want my children to hear me praying. 
I want my children to wake up to me praying. I want them to come in, in the middle of the night and they see me pacing the hallways. Why? Because they will recognize that there's a standard in the father's house. And whether they know it, whether they understand it, they'll see it. And one day they'll remember it. Like this young man, he remembered there's a standard in his father's house. How am I doing on time? Am I supposed to be out of here at a certain time? Because I'm just, I'm just talking to you. I haven't even started preaching yet. He says, I'll rise and go to my father's house. He says, I'll rise and go to my father. And he says, I've sinned against heaven, against earth. And he says, I'm no longer worthy. This is where I feel like the body of Christ spends a lot of time. I'm no longer worthy. I'm no, I'm no longer worthy. This is a, to me, this is a very, it's a false finish line. It's a false place to, to actually find yourself thinking that you are ever worthy. I think the problem with the reason this son was able to backslide is because he felt like he was worthy. But I think the truth of the matter is the father never expected him to feel worthy. The father just needed him to feel like he could receive. It's amazing that it's, it's part of the worthiness of a firstborn. Is, you know, firstborn, they, we talk about there's a curse that, you know, is declared over the firstborn. The firstborn has these, firstborn has this idea. In this story, it's a little bit different. This is the younger. But there's this idea that where a person has to find their independence, this independent spirit. And the independent spirit is their proof, they want to prove that they're worthy of something. Are you tracking with me? If you feel like you need to do something without God, you have this, this inferiority thing that makes you want to fight to a position of feeling like you're worthy. Can I tell you, you have to feel like you're vulnerable. Can I get an amen there just somewhere? Because I need you to understand that God doesn't want you to feel like you can do it on your own. A father never wants you to feel like you can do it on your own. The, the heart of a father, the desire of a father, I know this is not Father's Day, but I'm not talking about you directly, I'm talking about the Father in heaven. The heart of a father is to be called upon. If my, if my children are calling upon other people to help them, then it hurts me. Because the heart of a father, the very reason I'm in your life is to be a help to you. And if you feel like you have to do everything because you're worthy of it, then it hurts me because I want you to feel like I'm a part of your team. I'm in your life. I want to help you. I want to be part of your world. If you feel like you're worthy, then I'm already lost. I've already lost because you're going to go out and do it without me. I, feel, I want you to feel like not that you're worthless, but I want you to feel like you are worth me coming and being a part of it. We don't pray. We don't seek God. We don't ask God. We don't invite God because we want to be worthy. But if you're truly worthy, let God involve. Let him come into your world. Let him come into your marriage. Let him come into your body. Let him come into your life. Let him come in and be a part because that's what true worth is. I'm worth your time. I'm worth your attention. I'm worth your love. God showed that he was, we were worth it. 
when he sent his only begotten son. Come on, how much more worth it do you need for God to send his best? Worthy is doing it without him. Worth is doing it because you need him. And if we can live in this place of equity, God, I am worth it, but I'm not worthy. Worthy means I'm self-sufficient. Worthy means I'm self-reliant, but worth means you're valuable. Say I'm valuable, come on, say it. I want you to know God wants to be attracted to your world because you have a sense of need. Well, the one thing that the covenants, every covenant in your life should be based upon, one thing, whether it's marriage, whether it's friendship, no matter what it is, you ready? Need. I didn't marry my wife because she was cute. I didn't marry my wife because she was every other reason. But when it came down to it, the reason I loved her is because I needed her. Sounds strange, but it's true. The, when, I, when I knew that I was going to marry, I, it wasn't because I just had feelings for her. I said to her, I need you. You understand? That's what covenants are based upon. Covenant relationships are based upon, I need you. I wish I can get one more amen. I, would, I don't know why we're dealing with all this stuff, but this is where we're at today. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise him. When you realize that God wants you to need him, and the Father wants you to need him, then you realize your life is set up because this life creates need. And the more you need him, the more active he is in your life. Anyone need him? He says, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Treat me. So, so I'm, no longer, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but doesn't matter, I, I, he's still his son. It's amazing how we can shuffle our position because of our, our last action. But your last action don't change your position. All right, let me tell someone else. Who else should I tell? I'm telling you. Your last action doesn't change your position. And how many times are we making a decision about our future because of our last action? This guy is making a decision about his whole future based upon this season that he was in. And he's now saying this season that I was in changes my whole position. Now you couldn't, you can't love me as a father anymore. Treat me like, like a hired servant. Just give me some food. That's what he's saying. I'm so hungry. Just give me some food. Romans 8 says this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip through a lot of our message here, because I, I, I hammered so much on that, I... I, I, I'm, 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 that's where we are. Amen. Romans 8 says that the Bible says that there's a spirit of adoption to come upon us. 
Now, that spirit of adoption comes upon us that we should be sons that cry out to our fathers, Abba, Father. This is verse 15. But the spirit himself, say, I, I have the Holy Spirit. Say it, I have the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit lives in, inside of you. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of you to do many things. First of all, to give you the fruit of the Spirit, which are the, the character and emotions of God. The fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, joy, those are also, those are, that's character, but it's also strong emotions. He's going to give you his emotions. Love, peace, joy, long-suffering, kindness. That's his fruit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you so that you can have peace with people that you want to slap. Come on, somebody. You guys don't know anything about that. You're so peaceful all the time. If you, if you, <laughs> I need the Holy Spirit in that aspect that I don't slap, go around slapping people. My natural man wants to slap people all the time. You're like, wow, bro. Seriously. If I didn't have Jesus, people would just be having red hands on their face everywhere. Just, oh, you saw Tracy today, huh? Yeah. But thank God for the Holy Spirit. He fills you with peace. How many of you want him to feel? He fills you with love. How many know it's, 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 it's easy to not love some people? You guys have any of that? You, where you work really hard? Family reunions, maybe? I don't know. The Holy Spirit fills you with love. He fills you with this character. Kindness, long-suffering. Right, gentleness. He fills you with that. This, the other thing the Holy Spirit fills you with is he fills you with power. Power, signs and wonders and miracles. But the thing that I want you to really grasp today about the Holy Spirit is verse 16. It says, but the Spirit himself. Now the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you're children of God. I want you to know and wake up every morning know, saying, I have the Holy Spirit in me. And what the Holy Spirit is going to do, he's not going to go, oh, Oh, look at who's awake today. Knucklehead is up. No, he's going to say, oh, child of God is up. Oh, that child of God. Oh, you're such a child of God. And, you, and he's going to bear witness. How many of you ever felt conviction? You want to go do something, all of a sudden you feel that, that check, that check. That's a bearing witness that you're better than that. He's not telling you you're a sinner. He's actually telling you when you have that check, he's telling you don't go that way because you're better than that. That lowers your standard. I love the check. Are oh, you guys getting quiet again? This is good news. It's like the spidey sense. You know the spidey sense, the big boulders coming down on his head, and bleep, 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 move, and you jump in the boulder. That's what God gives you inside. He gives you the Holy Ghost sensor. And that, it's that check that says, don't go that way, or that peace that says, go this way, or that love that says, that's the one that's in your life. That, that right there is a bearing witness that you're a child of God. And if you don't have that, then you are not a child. Children need education and warning to stop stuff. I'm so glad he gave that to me. He says, he's bearing witness. The other thing he's going to bear witness, that if you're a child, say, I am a child of God, then you're also heirs. 
You're an heir of God. You're an heir. He says it twice. You're an heir and you're an heir of God. You're an heir and you're an heir of God. So I'm, I have an inheritance that is associated to my relationship with Jesus, but I'm also in not just this heir, but I'm an heir of God, that whatever God owns is mine. Now, what could you do with kind of God resources? Uh, then we need to get our big thinking going because the fact is it says we're heir, we're heir of God. And then he says, not only you're heir of God, but you are fellow heir, complete co-heir with Christ Jesus. Co-heir. Amen? Now that co-heir, I know we, we, we you, until you've been in like a contract where you own complete co-own something, you don't understand the power of a co-heir. You, 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 you think you're just, you know, but the fact is, is what Jesus lives in is what I live in. What Jesus says is what I say. What Jesus has is what I have. And I have to commit myself to a co-life. One day the Lord woke me up. I was, I, was, I was waking up and he said something right off the bat. How many of you ever been in that space that play, where you're not completely asleep, you're not completely awake, and then that, that place of voice? How many of you have, you have that? In this place of voice, the Holy Spirit says something to me. He said, Tracy, Jesus has no debt. And I'm like, yeah. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise him, Jesus. Jesus. Good for you. Good for you. You got no debt. Then the Holy Spirit goes on and says, you have debt. And I'm like, yes. I've been talking to you about that. <laughs> and he says, if you have debt and Jesus has no debt, then you're not a co-heir. Because you need to be in the same position Jesus is in. All right, now, somebody. And I said, what are we going to do about this? He says, I need you to change your mind because I can't get to you what you're supposed to have to get out of debt until I change your mind about how, who you are, not about what you have. I need you to start thinking like Jesus. Jesus, the Father has paid all of your debts. So, Father, I, I, I'm going to take in my position of being a co-heir, a fellow heir with Christ Jesus. Now, God, I'm expecting money to come in, bonuses to come in, promotions to come, opportunities to come so that I get debt free. Because I'm co-heir. You understand? I'm a fellow heir. What are some of the things that you don't share in fellowship with Jesus? Jesus is not sick. All right, so we're not going to go there with you. All right. Next time I'll talk about that. The reason God heals the sick, whether it's deaf ears open, blind eyes open, the reason we, we do that, Rex, you'll see Rex do that next week. Today, Lord willing, he'll heal some people here. We've seen so many miracles. I mean, I can't, I, I'm thinking of what miracle to tell you today. There's so many miracles going on right now. So many on a constant basis. We have, a, we, have a prayer, we have a prayer group that just, not even talking about my, me in ministry, but we have, a, we have a team of people who have a, we do an online Zoom-based healing room every Tuesday night. I have a, a team 
I don't know. How, I don't even know how, what the size of the team is, but there we have people who sign up to be in this this healing room every Tuesday night. They're all around the world, and they come on Zoom to get prayer. And we move them into a we move them into a private a private Zoom room, a breakout room with three prayers, three people to pray with them. Sometimes two, but at least two to three people to pray with them. One lady is in U- Uganda. She comes down and she has a growth on her neck. This growth is noticeable, very physically noticeable, apparent growth. As they pray for her on Zoom, that growth disappears right there on her neck, just goes completely away. She gets so touched by God, she gets filled with the Holy Spirit and starts speaking in tongues. We have seen, we've seen children raised from, from the dead, We've seen all kinds of things. Now, again, this is not me as a special minister. These are people that are part of our church that volunteer to be in the Zoom rooms and they pray for people. I'm telling you, God loves. Now, why does he do it? Because Jesus is a fellow heir and Jesus doesn't have a goiter. Jesus doesn't have a growth. Jesus took it on the cross. And so we help people step into their fellowship. The reason we pray for the sick is because God never intends. Someone's ear is being healed right now. I don't know if it's a partial deafness. I don't know if it's ringing in the ears. I don't know what it is, but someone's ear is being opened right now, being healed right here in this room. Could be online, but I believe if someone in this room, your ear is being adjusted right now. God is healing you. Why is God doing it? God's doing it because he is a fellow heir with you, and you have to have the same position to be co. Right? A co is not a partial position. Co is exact. I could, I could hear an amen there. That would be great. So when you understand Christ is wanting to deliver you out of certain things because it's just not what he lives in. It's not what he paid the price for. In verse 18, is this okay that I'm teaching? That? I know usually I'm trying to spit and stuff, but I feel like this was what the Lord wanted us to do and we're going to just teach a little bit and I don't know what time we need to get out of here, but we got, okay, so keep going, okay. Now look, verse 18, before I get in verse 18. So, so provided we suffer, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I want you to get this, I'm going to come to that word suffer in a moment because it comes back again in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. So your current temporary suffering is not something that can be compared to the glory that is to come to you. Now, the word suffering is a Greek word that's, that's, that's two words made of one. Sum, sum, is, sum is the word to be, that's the co, together, to, the sharing, the sharing. The patios, patios is the word feeling. It's not the word experiencing, it's the word feeling. So it's the, the word actually is sympatios, which is the same feeling. So when he says I, that we suffer with him, this is what it should say. It's, it's this how it should read. It says that provided we feel the same. Do you feel the same about things that Jesus feels the same about it? 
Do you, do you hate cancer because Jesus hate cancer? Jesus doesn't have like a, oh, I think cancer is okay. No, Jesus actually does not like cancer. He hates it because it's something that he bears on the cross. How many of you know he hates a lot of things? God doesn't just love everything. The Bible says he hates divorce. So you have to understand there's some feelings about some things we tolerate that we should not tolerate because God doesn't feel the same about it. So he says, we need to be in this position where if I consider that the same feelings of this present time are not worthy to be compared of the glory, I need to have a feeling about what's happening. If I'm going through something, I need to feel a certain way about it. If I tolerate it, then breakthrough doesn't come. But if I say this is not acceptable, then breakthrough comes. Sympathios. So the father in verse Luke, Luke 14, let's go back there. I'm going to just, um, we'll wrap it up here. Luke, four, Luke 15, verse 20 says, And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. Do you know that means the father was looking for the, re, the return the, the whole time? The father's looking, waiting to be needed. That's beautiful to me. How long are we going to keep him waiting until we ask him to get involved? Help me. That's all, that's all he's waiting for. Just help me. That's the best prayer you can pray. Help. Help me, God. And God is, I don't know if, there, if you've been to prayer conferences or whatever, but I just have never, ever seen God say, say, I'm not interested in you praying to me. I've just never, ever, I've never, ever encountered a time scripturally or otherwise where God says, don't pray to me. Don't ask me to get involved. Have you? Then shouldn't we take advantage of asking him to get involved more often? He is so eager to get involved. Here we see this father. He arose and came to his father. And but while, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. You know, the, what, another word that's in that definition of sympathios is the word compassion. If I feel the same compassion, if I feel the same, if I have the same co-passion, if my passions are the same. Here the father has compassion, felt compassion and ran and embraced his son and kissed him. Doesn't say you, you are such a bad son. How dare you go and waste everything I gave you? That's not how he approaches it. He, he comes, runs, doesn't wait for the son to get to him. Are you seeing this picture with me? But he gets up off of whatever porch or whatever he's doing. He gets and he sees him a far away and he runs the distance. He, he takes the distance out of the way. All God needs to know is are you turning to him and he'll take the distance out of the way. If, if God's not going to play hard to get. He's not interested in pretending like I'm going to be tough here. This father picture is not showing a tough dad trying to make sure that you learn your lesson before we get this right. That's not what he's showing. 
He's showing a dad that says, listen, I'm waiting for you just to turn and need me. And, and he, he, he puts the distance between them. He takes that on his part. Someone says, oh, I feel like I'm so far from God. All you have to do is turn and he will correct the, the distance. Come on, man. Come on. I'll tell you, this is some fun stuff for me. I love the scriptures. For the, and then he's, he felt compassion, ran and embraced him and kissed him. In verse 21, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, everything he rehearsed. Remember, he was in, he was in the back room. The pigs, the pigs were just eating everything. And he just, this is what I'm going to say. Remember, he was rehearsing it. He comes back with all this rehearsed. And he starts to say this, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Verse 22, the father did not respond to the son at all in that case. He said, but the father said to the servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put the ring on his hand and the shoes on his feet. It's amazing how many times we think that our, our, our confession to God is what he's really moved by. You understand what I mean? This man's rehearsing and yet God doesn't ever say, thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you for just laying your heart out. This father doesn't say, thank you for laying your heart out. He says, instead, let's just position you again. Oh, come on. Instead of just getting in there and just letting you just, it, it's not even about that, son. It's not even about that daughter. What it's about is I'm going to put you back in your position. And you know what's really amazing is he gives him a better position than he had when he left. He, he, says, he says to the servant, servant, listen. I want you to go over there and I want you to get the ring. I want you to get the robe and I want you to get the shoes. The ring means that he's given you your authority back. Now you can put a seal on anything. Now you can say and declare and establish. Some of you don't know you've walked through some things and God sees it as education. He sees it as graduation when you turn from it. And he doesn't say, okay, now you're going to have to go through a whole lot of training, a whole lot of trouble, a whole lot of purging. No, he says, you've walked through hard knocks. You know how to get through some things and you've made your way back. Here's a ring of authority. Now you have authority over everything that just controlled you. Then he says, I want to put on you the robe. Now he didn't say to the servants, now servants go and get him washed up. He smells like pig. He didn't say, he didn't speak about the, the son's condition. He didn't speak about the son's smell. He didn't see, say, son, you look so skinny. What's going on? Haven't you been eating? He said none of that. He talked nothing about what was going on in his past in the last six months of his life. He said nothing about it. He says, here is a robe. It's amazing how we formulated in our mind that God was going to be so upset with us and so upset with us that he was going to point out all of our stuff instead of just putting on us a robe and say, now start living in the royal position. I dress you for royalty. I dress you for your purpose. I dress you for your destiny. 
He didn't say, go get cleaned up and smell right before I put this beautiful robe on you. No, the position will change you. He puts the robe on him. The robe, speaking of your position of royalty. So now not only do you have authority with a ring, but you have a position of royalty that you're wrapped in it. You're wrapped in it. It covers. Oh, come on, somebody. It covers everything that you've ever done. It covers everything, everything that you've ever been through. It covers all of it. The robe of Jesus' blood covers everything that you've ever encountered. I thought to myself, this son, he has been, he's, he, I know he, his father's thinking he stinks, but he's kissing him. He's hugging him. He's loving him. My goodness. If we could just allow the love of God to enter into our lives the way he wants to love us and not put up all of these guards in these protective places because we don't want to feel rejected. If you would know that his love would never reject you. His love never rejects. He puts the robe on him, puts the ring on his finger, and he says, now get the shoes. Now all of this stuff was already prepared. Some of you are wondering why you're going through some of the things you're going through is you have to actually have a graduation to higher thinking. And sometimes that's returning to right thinking. All of this stuff was already prepared. The servants knew where it was. He comes and he says, puts shoes on him. Shoes speak of your calling, speak of the purpose of God that your old has passed away and the new is beginning and that God has new steps for you. Your steps are ordered of the Lord. Some of you today, you're getting new shoes. You're getting a robe today. You're getting your ring today. God is establishing this in you. He's building this upon your life. Doesn't stop there. I mean, that would be great. He says, but bring the fatted calf and I want you to kill it. And I want us to have a great party, a celebration. And I tell you what, this is beautiful. The father's love. We're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate. I don't, I'm, can you imagine someone coming back and just rehearse how unworthy they are? This shows the mindset to the father, how unworthy I am. I, this whole mantra, this whole talk, and the father doesn't spend any time thinking. All he thinks about is, I'm so glad to have you home. We're going to put ring on you. We're going to put the robe on you, put the ring on you, put the shoes on you. And I'm going to take the thing that we, this calf that we've been preparing, and it only gets the finest grain. This calf gets the, the most, the, the best of all the grain. It's the fattened, the fattened calf. It's the one that's prepared for the specific party. It's not like every other calf. This one's fattened up for a season on a specific kind of grain, only the first harvest grain. And this means that God wants to lead you into a place of extreme abundance and prosperity. When he gives you the fattened calf. 
Then he says in verse 24, Woo! I'm sorry to be so emotional, but man, I just feel the love of God reaching out to you. I feel the love of God reaching out to you. He says, this is my son who was dead. Who was dead and is alive. Alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. If I can tell you that God wants to celebrate your return to needing him. But Pastor Tracy, you have no idea what I've done. You have no idea what I've gone through. You have no idea how far I've went. You, I, was, I was looking at the pig slop and wanting to eat it. Well, that doesn't matter. None of that matters. Oh, but it does matter. No, it doesn't matter. It does, none of that matters. If it mattered, then the father would have brought it up the moment you started talking about it. Oh, but you don't know. No, no, none of that matters. As long as you think it matters, then, it's a, then you haven't turned. You, want, you haven't allowed him, allow him to show that he needs you to be with him more than he needs you to be right with him. Because when you're right with him, when, he, when you need him, he will help you be right. If we can just go back to being needing him, then we can always be right with him. Amen? Father, I thank you. Thank you for your, your miracle working power, God. Thank you for your love, God. Thank you for the love of God that you have for your people. Thank you, Lord, that you're healing your people. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask you this simple need, and I don't know. To me, I feel like this, this is going to lead us to the miracles. Whether we pray for you, for the sick, or however it's led, I just know that God wants you to turn to him and need him. Whether you're born again or whether you are not born again, is there anyone here that you would just in agreement saying, I need God? I need you. Now just feel him chasing you down, running after you, coming close to you. That, that simple, I need you, turns his attention to you, comes into your life and your circumstances, comes into your situation. I need you, God. I need you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Thank you, God. I need you, God. I need you, Lord. Now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here and you're not right with God, if you know you don't have a relationship with God, 
want to make sure that you have a relationship with God. I want to make sure that you are you're connected with God, that you receive him, Jesus, as your Lord and Savior. If you're online or in this room, if you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, by the time I count to three, will you lift your hand so I can, so I can pray with you? So anyone, you need to make sure that you're right with God and making sure that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and that all of your sins are forgiven. One, thank you, I see your hand, I see your hand. Anyone else, you want to make sure that you're right with God. Thank you, I see your hand. Anyone else, you want to make sure. Thank you, thank you. Anyone else, you want to make sure that you're right with God. Thank you, I see your hands. Thank you, you can, thank you, I see your hand back there. Can we all pray this prayer together? Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Forgive me of all of my sins. I thank you that you love me and that I am home in Jesus' name. Amen. There's someone you, you have pain, and I don't know if it's from, I don't know if it's from like grinding your teeth, but this pain in the jaw, discomfort in the jaw, feels like even maybe your jaw and your neck is maybe off of alignment. God wants to heal you. I'm just, we're just going to take a little time here just for a second. Is that you, sir? You have your hand up? Okay. Just one moment, I'll pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Just let the tenderness of God continue to minister to you for a minute here. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the kindness. Let the greatest miracle that happened today be the fact that you leave here feeling worth something, but not feeling like you have to be worthy of something. There's value in you. Anything or anyone that has told you that you have no value, I strip that from you in the name of Jesus. Anything that you've done in the past that diminished your value, I strip that from you today in Jesus' name. I declare today that you have a value that abounds, that God's grace has made you valuable. I remove from you condemnation. I remove from you shame. I remove from you guilt. I remove this from you. I release the peace and the power of the Holy Spirit to you. And I thank you for your love. I thank you for your tender kindness. All of that shame and all of the guilt's falling off of you right now. Man, I tell you, there's emotional healings that are happening right now. There's a spirit of heaviness that you're being, that's being, you're being set free from. I think we're going to have him. We have some physical healings, but I feel like there's such a, a, a ministry to the soul happening in us today. Mental trauma is being healed. Emotional trauma is being healed. God is healing you in your emotions. Depression and oppression is lifting off of you. The spirit of heaviness is being lifted. We thank you for your miracle working power. We thank you for your miracle working power. Just let the Holy Spirit come to you and minister in this way. He's ministering to you. Just let him minister to you. Thank you. 
someone you've been having these nightmare dreams, occurring dreams of you being assaulted. They've been overwhelming and creating fear. I take those, that from you and I release peace on you that you're protected in the arms of God. The enemy's been trying to torment you and now your mind is being set free. I release the freedom of God to you that you're set free in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your freedom, Lord. Uh, I see this, this spirit of anxiety, you've been struggling with anxiety. If you've been struggling with anxiety, just lift your hand. God's going to take, take it from you right now. I command that to go from you. The anxiety and fear, we take it from you in Jesus' name. We release peace to you now. We release the peace of God to you now. We release the peace of God to you right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for that peace. No more anxiety. No more fear. No more anxiety. No more fear. Someone you've been asking, you've been saying, God, I have this emotion, this thing that takes over, and I feel like I have a demon, and I want to take that from you right now. I cast that out. I command it to loose you and let you go. You're asking, am I, op- am I de- demon-possessed? I-, I see an oppression, something that's been trying to hold you down from being the fullness of who you are. I cast it off of you in the name of Jesus. I command it to go from you right now. I command complete and absolute deliverance to you. I release deliverance in this place today. <sighs> Loose God's people and let them go. Deliverance is happening. Freedom is happening to you. One of the greatest miracles is miracles that you can have in your soul and your mind. We command you to be free. Someone, you've been under such stress. The level of stress that you've had, it creates these tension headaches. It's like you have tension in your neck that, 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 that causes this tension in the headache in the front of your head. Where are you at? Just lift your hand. God's healing you. I see you there. I release you from those in Jesus' name. We release the power of the Holy Spirit to you. Now listen, if, even if I don't pray for you, lay hands on you, right now as I call those things out, that's happening. The Holy Spirit is walking through, and Jesus is laying his hands on you personally. He's coming and putting his hands on you directly. We thank you for that. We thank you. Someone else has been having trouble with your gallbladder. I don't know if it, if it causes acid reflux, but there's been something going on with your gallbladder. It could be a pain that you feel. Who's been having that problem with your gallbladder? You feel this pain or something, this, this digestive issue, this digestive problem. Thank you, Lord. You saw someone oak over there. Just receive right now the Lord's visiting you. He's coming to release healing to you. And the heartburn will not return. That heartburn will not return. God's releasing healing to you. We thank you for it, God. Isn't this a wonderful presence? Wonderful presence of God's compassion and kindness. Woman of God here, right in the front. What is your name? Jackie. When I saw you, the Lord said, tell her that I have not forgotten her. You're not forgotten. You're on the forefront of his mind. He's working, and he's working pretty aggressive on your behalf 
to bring you the freedom, the things that you've been asking and calling on and praying for. He's going to manifest those things in your life. Just continue to stay steady, stay full of faith, and stay full of hope because God wants you to know, I have not forgotten you. I have not forgotten you. Amen. Can we just wait a little bit longer, just a few more minutes here, just receive from the Lord? Now, there's a lower back pain, a sciatic pain, maybe, maybe two people. I know I see a sciatic pain that goes down like the lower back and down the leg, and then there's like, um, one, like a mid and lower lumbar issue. God is releasing healing to you. I see you back there. Is that the sciatic pain back there? All right. Are you in pain now? All right, I take that from you in Jesus' name. I command it to release you. I command it to go from you. Now, when, as soon as you feel the pain leave you, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three, go. It left you. All right, praise the Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. This young lady here at the end, I what is your name? Brooke? Brooke, I see the Lord's hand on your head. I see his hand and his comfort and his love. And there is like a feeling of um, alone and rejection the Lord's taken off of your life. And the Lord's putting on you his, his hand of comfort and love. And you are, you are actually very seen. There's a there's this feeling that makes you want to feel like I'm not seen, I'm not heard, I'm there's not seen, not heard. But God tells you, I see you, and he's going to make you more seen in the right season. There's a season that you're in where you're developing and you're growing and you're being strengthened, but you are, you are not an invisible person. You're not an invisible person. I know that feeling of overwhelmingly feeling of being invisible and unseen and kind of lost in the clutter of the, the crowd. But God's gift on you, God's gift on you is going to actually start to blossom and it's going to cause you to blossom. And when you blossom, it's going to be like, right now you're like a, a rose that's closed. That's closed, but you're still a rose. You're still a rose. And you feel, you feel, you feel, un you feel uncomfortable in your own skin. You feel uncomfortable in your own self. But the Lord says in, in this season, he's going to shine on you. And the rose opens when the sun starts to shine. And the Lord's going to shine on you in this season. And you're going to open up. And then people are going to smell the beautiful fragrance of who you are and the very gifts that you have, the talents that you know are there, the dreams that you have. You've dreamed really big. You have a lot of big dreams I see you as, a, an, as an artist, I see you as a creative, and I see the hand of God. And, and right now, it's not seen. You know it, you sense it, you feel it in you, but God's gonna cause it to blossom and bloom, and it will be recognized. I see, I see, um, I see just like even people starting to recognize just different things, and I don't know if it's on, on the IG or TikTok, or I don't know where it is, but there's gonna be some kind of exposure of your true gifts when the right time, but God's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna actually just cause you to blossom and the fragrance of who you are. So don't, don't adjust to this season. No, okay, just if you feel uncomfortable in your skin, you feel uncomfortable in your surroundings, just know, oh, this is just the confirmation that I'm, I'm a rose, but I'm closed right now. And this is not the time, I'm just gonna be okay with it. I'm gonna grow deep 
my character, my confidence, and who I am, and my skill set. But then it's going to open up, and it's going to be wonderful. And you'll be seen and experienced, and it's going to be wonderful. I release the peace of God on you, Brooke. The hand of God on you. Amen. Can we just continue to wait on the Lord? Is this all right? This is different. This is mellow. It's cool. It's chilly. You know, I've, I feel like, um, Mom, that your boy there? I feel like there's the pressure, the pressure that you're carrying, the pressure that of, in the weight of, of having to carry so much. It's like I feel like you carry like four backpacks. It's like not just one backpack, just, just four backpacks. You have, you're just overloaded, and you feel like you're, you're just overused, and you're, you're just worn out. I release the peace of God on you. I release the strength of God on you that you're not going to be worn out. And I feel like there's this piling debt. I just see these envelopes piling up of debt and not knowing how to deal with it. And God's going to be your provider. I want you to trust him that just as the Lord said to me, Tracy, Jesus has no debt. I feel like your bills, not only your debt, but just even some of this, your regular bills are just overwhelming you and piling up. And the God of provision is coming to you. And the God of hope and help is coming to you. You just make sure you act like a daughter and say, Father, this is what I need. And he's going to step into your world. He's going to take some of those backpacks off. He's going to give you some release from all of the weight. Does this make sense to you? And I put the peace of God on you. I release the peace of God to you to be strengthened in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Father. How are we doing in time? Are we doing all right? Do we have to be out of here a certain time? <laughs> I'll stay all day. I'll say, Pastor, I didn't know. No one knew what time we needed to leave. Is, um, do either of you ladies, anyone have any issues in your stomach? Okay, it's behind you. Two ladies there. Okay. Will you, will you both stand for me? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for the hand of God. Now, what kind of relationship do you guys have? With? Just friends? Okay. We thank you for the grace of God on, on these two friends. Friends that stick closer than sisters. We thank you for the hand of God that's on them. Yeah, I see some kind of li like little, little drive. I don't know if it's just a short drive, but it's a little trip. A little trip. I don't know if you both are going to take a little drive, a little trip, or some kind of assignment. But the hand of God is going to move upon you, and people are going to be blessed and encouraged. God's going to use you both as his mouthpiece, as his mouthpiece. Let God speak through you. And I don't know if it's a, are you involved in a little Bible study or something? Is there a little Bible study going on? You're always with your Bible. But you don't have a little Bible study that you do together? You can do that? Okay. Do, do something like that. Plan something because you're going to see God show up. And the lady that's wearing the black, the hand of God is on you to have be a spokesperson for women, and he's going to give you the right words. And I think there may be just some, some, some help in this, but he's going to give you the right words to encourage women to be the fullness of who God's called them to be. 
And it's like a, I even see like a little journal. It's like a daily devotional, like maybe a 31, 21 day devotional that God's going to give you to write. And it's just going to be your wisdom tips and your wisdom tips on, on health and wisdom tips on eating, wisdom tips on life, wisdom tips. And so God's going to give you and release these wisdom tips. Do you do anything like that already? No? Okay. Well, you, will, you, will you just pray about this, what I'm sharing with you? These little wisdom tips. And, it, and then just put in a little devotional and just share it and put it on, you know, Amazon and just let people be blessed by it because God wants to give you a voice and makes you a spokesperson of, of the right living, living, living right, living kind, living good, living healthy. And I release the peace and blessing on you both. And I command the stomach problems. Did you have pain or discomfort today? Do you still have that? Both of you still have it? So, Father, I take it away. I command it to loose in Jesus' name. Now, in, in, your, in your stomach, I see the flora. I see the, the good bacteria increasing. And I see that is going to settle. I see it. There it is now in Jesus' name. I bring settling. And I command all stress. I command all stress to go. And I, I reverse the diagnosis. I reverse a diagnosis, and I command the, the, the diagnosis to go, and I release the power of God. I don't know what the diagnosis is, but the Lord said just re- reverse the diagnosis. I reverse it, and there it is in Jesus' name. Be healthy and live fun. Live a fun life. Amen. Will you stand to your feet? Is there anyone else that you need a physical miracle? You need a physical. How's your job doing? You feel good? Anyone need a physical miracle before we leave? Anyone dealing with anything life-threatening? All right. You guys are healthy. My friend Rex Crane is going to come. Okay, someone's knees. Who, just, who has painful knees? How are your knees doing now? How are your knees? Check your knees. They feel good? Really, really push them to the limit. Are they in pain anymore? Any pain anymore? Anyone else had painful knees? Check your knees. You have painful knees still? All right, so Father, what's your name? Restello? Marcello. Father, I thank you for Marcello. I thank you for the grace of God. Marcello, will you put your hands out like this for me? Um, you have these ideas that come to you. You have these ideas, these thoughts that hit you, and they're like I, they're inventions or business ideas. I release on you the wealth creator anointing that you would increase in business, that you would have business mindset and business ideas. And Lord, to confirm that, take away all of the pain in his knees. Thank, thank you for taking away all the restriction. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Marcella, will you check your knees real quick and tell me if they feel any different? Your left one feels better. What about the right one? The right one hurts? The left one was not one in pain. The right one's been good the whole time. Okay, cool. So you're good? All right, so you, go and you, you ask God to give you wisdom about business. Do you have business ideas? Okay, good. Ask God to give you ideas about business. You're going to change the trajectory of your family. There's going to be a real spirit of wealth and increase come to you and your family, and I, I just am looking forward to hear the testimonies of that. Amen. Well, I had a wonderful time. How many of you had a good time? All right, amen. God is good. I, I, love, I love you. I believe in this church. I believe in your pastors. And I I believe that God's hand is on you and that he wants to do big things. Can I pray one more prayer? 
And I'll pray that the goodness of the Lord be upon you. Father, we thank you for those that are online, those that are in this room. We ask, Father, that you'd minister your life, minister your peace and your comfort to them. We thank you, Father, that the, the, the hand of the Lord, the, the, the wisdom of God, and the strength of God, in Jesus' name, amen. Ma'am, you're wearing the rest. I pointed at you two earlier, thought that it was the ladies behind me that, that would distract me. Um, are you married, ma'am? Have you been married? Are, are you widowed? No. I released the hand of God on you uh, for your future and for relationships in the future and for the, who you should be walking with. I released the grace of God. I don't feel like you're going to be walking alone. I feel like there's companionship for you, and I feel like the grace of God on you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you all. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.